Hey, 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 everyone. This is Prashant, and I'll be your host for this section of the Mailman podcast called 321 with Mailman. To quickly talk about the format, the guest will be required to share three ideas or books they live by, two people they look up to, and one productivity trick they use in their everyday lives. For those of you who do not know Mailman, Mailman is a simple Gmail plugin that sits on top of your existing email client and delivers your emails in batches at times pre-selected by you. Hence, minimizing distractions, facilitating deep work, and making Inbox Zero an everyday reality. You can start a free trial at mailmanhq.com. That is M-A-I-L-M-A-N-H-Q.com. You will be able to find this link in the description below. Today, we have Will Manon with us. Will is the course director of Building a Second Brain and Rite of Passage two wildly successful and popular cohort-based courses. On his YouTube, Will reviews books and ideas. I'll make sure to put the link to his channel in the description below. Will, we are so glad to have you here. I'll now let you talk a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hey, thanks Prashant. Appreciate you having me on. So uh, I'm Will, I'm out in Los Angeles in the US. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm course director for Building a Second Brain and Rite of Passage. Basically, I finished college, I was working in tech, I wanted to do something on the side. So I found these funny online courses, started taking them. Uh, next thing you know, uh, hired to help run the student experience. So it's been really fun to be in a industry that feels a lot more dynamic than sort of the big stuffy software company I was working on. Um, yeah, outside of work, I uh, absolutely love to read. I love ideas and uh, loved having conversations like this. So uh, excited to be here. Absolutely. We are so pumped to have you here. And uh uh, you are someone who got into the cohort-based courses very early. So I would uh, add this additional question to you uh, to start with, because I'm sure that our audience would be as uh, curious about this one, that it, it is being touted as the future of education, the whole cohort-based courses thing, right? How, how do you, what do you think about this? Because you have probably seen it from the start, from the very scratch, from where it began, and to now where it has come with, there are popular cohort-based courses, for two of which you are the course director, right? So where yeah. do you see it going from here? And can you talk about a bit about the growth of this, from where it came and to where it is headed? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So we're very enthusiastic about the future of cohort-based courses. I think they play, they're an important piece of the larger landscape against what education is changing. So uh, education has been very institutionalized and very stale for a long time, right? Things in the world of education in 2021 don't look all that different from 1921, but but that's changing, right? On the cutting edge, there are all sorts of experimental uh, programs and initiatives happening. So there's stuff happening in the K to 12 space for kids. What I'm more focused on cohort-based learning uh, in our world is for uh, largely for, for adult education. So for example, our company Forte Academy, the goal is to help knowledge workers radically improve their productivity to fuel creative output in the work in life. So we have these two courses for people who uh, have gone through college, maybe they've gone to grad school and they're doing cool stuff in their working life, but this is like a supplementary you know, catalyst rocket fuel on the side that will help them get to a next level. So other projects are more going for the, uh, you know, K to 12 or transforming colleges. We view ourselves as a supplemental piece to train knowledge workers. Uh, but I think it's all very exciting because cohort learning you're seeing with, 
you know, programs like uh, Lambda School or the Code Academies can actually disrupt college where you don't even need to go to a four-year institution. Perhaps you uh, just get skills that businesses need in nine months, save yourself the debt, save yourself the time and uh, get into the workforce more quickly. So it's all transforming and we're excited to play a, a part in it. Absolutely. And that, that sounds very logical as well. And the amount to which uh, student debt has risen, I think this is something that we actually need for the college education to be disrupted because the amount of expense it incurs and the value it creates doesn't really match up. So if hard-based courses can come in there and disrupt that space, that would be great. Okay, so well, thank you so much for answering that one. Now we will dive into the format of this uh, shortcast, as we call it. My first question to you in that is, what are the three ideas or books that you live by? Absolutely. So uh, first one, a book, well, first of all, I want to preface this by saying uh, I love books. I love language. And there's a quote, a big quote guy. There's a quote from Franz Kafka. He's a German writer, you know, in the early 1900s. He says, a book must be the ax for the frozen sea within us. If we're not, if, if what we were reading does not wake us up with a blow to the head, what are we reading for? Uh, so I heard this quote, some quotes just hit you and resonate. And this is one of them for me. So I think about what are the earthquake books uh, in my life. There's probably about half a dozen, but one I want to talk about first is called Flow by Mikhail Csikszentmihalyi. It's from the early 1990s. The subtitle is The Psychology of Optimal Experience. It takes a whole bunch of psychological research and breaks it down. And it actually doesn't just break it down, but what I took from it is a, a prescription for for, for how to live and how to spend your time, right? Time is all we have. It's the most precious thing we have. And he says something very interesting. He says, the human brain, its natural default state is something he calls psychic entropy. So just like everything tends towards disorder, the brain tends towards disorder. And that comes in the form of negative thoughts or the monkey mind, things we're always worrying about. And so what he says is, you know, things we do to mute that, watching TV, scrolling social media, that's just a mute button. So as your brain is tending towards disorder, passive entertainment mutes the disorder, but doesn't create anything in response. But if you can find yourselves flow activities where you are fully present, being challenged at that optimal rate, not all, that type of activity not only stops the psychic entropy, but actually rebuilds form and structure in your mind. And you know it when you're in one of these activities. I mean, reading could be an example of an activity. I used to play musical instruments as a kid. That's a flow activity. But you actually leave one of these activities with your brain is literally a different structure. You have created new neuronal connections inside your brain. Um, and, and you feel, at least I feel so enriched when I come out of these types of activities. So I try to fill my free time with things that make me uh, – give me a flow state. So one thing is having conversations like we're having right now. I absolutely love having great conversations. Um, I love to read and I love to write. So I would love to read good books and then, and then explain how they make me feel. And my final one, I, I study Chinese. So I've studied Chinese since college. I speak conversational Chinese. I work with tutors every week. My dream and my goal is one day I will speak fluent Chinese. And uh, I have a YouTube, another YouTube channel where I just put up uh, videos of myself speaking Chinese, but those are my current flow activities. And I believe they lead to a, a rich life. So uh, I encourage others to check out Flow. It had a tremendous, tremendous impact on me. So that's number one. Going to roll right into number two. This isn't, and I, so I want to talk about an idea. In the context of that idea, I'll mention a handful of books. So I'm going to cheat a little here. I saw a tweet from somebody a long time ago. I don't remember who tweeted it, but it really hit me. And it said some advice that's maybe not that popular in tech Twitter, but it said, when you're young, 
you want to read, but you want to read novels. And that might sound odd, but he's saying when you're young, you have uh, the, the sort of the passions, the excitement for life, and novels have a way of tapping into that and making you come along, come alive with feeling and passion in a way that nonfiction books don't. And I know people, and I see people on Twitter say, I, I, you know, I like to do X, Y, Z, and I read nonfiction books. And I'm like, man, you're missing over half the game there. I have read novels for the past few years. And the thing about reading a novel that's different than reading, you know, anti-fragile or something like that, the best novels and memoirs too, but the best novels when I, after I finish them, I can actually feel them. It's almost like an embodied sense where there's still a piece of them with me. Uh, it's almost hard to put into words how much these novels that I've read have had an impact on my life, but I'm just going to rattle off a, a couple that have had a bit impact on me. Um, there's one called On the Road by Jack Kerouac. It's about uh, being young and American in the dawn of the second half of the 20th century. Um, there's an incredible book called The Razor's Edge by William Somerset Mom, which is about a, a kid in 1920 who's trying to figure out if he should take the beaten path or, or go off on his own and, and uh, risk it all. Um, and, you know, there's another one called, uh, let me see how, uh, another one called The Age of Innocence, which is about New York City in the 1870s and the way society forced you to be a certain way. So these are just three quick examples. Um, but novels to me allow you to live out uh, other lives, experience dozens of other lives, the mistakes and successes others have. It helps you appreciate the nuance of the human condition. Uh, and it's just rich in a way that I think much of modern life is not. So really love novels and uh, yeah, recommend uh, reading novels, particularly when they're young. Uh, I hope you have the same resonance that I do with, uh, with great novels. Number three, this is uh, a single book I want to mention and a key idea from this book. I think it's criminally underrated. It's called Wrapped by Winifred Gallagher. And it's all about you, you, the power of your attention and your focus. And the line I've never forgotten from that book is that your life is the sum of what you focus on. That which you do not pay attention to does not exist in a way, at least for you, right? So I love this idea of the power of our attention because in this world of information abundance, there's so many things competing for our attention. For example, as a kid, I loved sports. I watched so many sports and I read articles about sports drama and, and gossip and things like that. In the last few years, I have just taken those inputs and put them out of my life for the most part, right? I'll still watch a game here and there with a friend, but what I focus on uh, has been elevated. And overall, my life feels richer for that, right? What you focus on expands. You become what you behold is another quote I really like. Um, but the things we fill our minds with become the world. And it's such a simple thing to say, but I think it's actually this very simple, very profound truth. So Wrapped by Winifred Gallagher, R-A-P-T is the book. And the idea is that your life is the sum of what you focus on. Yeah. I'll pause there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so you spoke for a long while there, a uh, commendable job there. So thank you so much for sharing all those uh, earthquake books, as you call them. And I love that idea uh, very much because I feel that there are a lot of books that are very popular as well. But all they do is uh, they just reinstate something that you already know. Right? Mm -hmm. uh, they are bestsellers. They're everything. Everyone is talking about them. But... Those are, again, just things that you already know and, and talked in depth, right? So that doesn't add much value. And books like the ones that you mentioned, they actually shake a core belief in you or make you awaken to something that, okay, this is like this. And I thought this is like this. So those are the kind of books that I 
myself prefer reading although or every once in a while i walk into a book that's best seller and i go through about 20 30% of it and i'm like okay i already know this let's just right, drop it right right yeah so yeah totally love the idea of uh, the earthquake books i'm going to use that term refer that yeah so thank you so much for sharing those now on to my next exciting question for you who are the two people that you look up to most and why absolutely so uh, i'm this this answer is going to be that i feel i wrote, i wrote a piece about this once but there's two sides of me there's my head self in my heart self. So head self is is zoom calls and calendar invites and you know meeting notes and you know deliverables and all that and my heart self is this part of me that uh, yearns for the uh, eternal and the infinite. So my first person is a head self person. His name is Benjamin P Hardy. He's a PhD psychologist. He's an author and he's now just recently started a YouTube channel. I think he's, you know, everybody knows James Clear, everybody knows Naval Ravikant. I think Benjamin Hardy is one of the most underrated uh, self-help people out there who can really have actual advice to make your life better. So he has this book called willpower doesn't work. His whole premise is that to improve your life, it's all about how you structure your environment, your physical environment, your digital environment, your mental environment. And he has the most clear outline of, of why that's the case and how to implement that in your own life. Now, beyond that book, which is great, he has this YouTube channel where, uh, I think it's pound for a minute for minute, the most actionable advice uh, on the internet. So he, he talks a lot about, you know, your attention, like I was just talking about how what you focus on uh, expands and, and becomes your world. Uh, he talks about making sure that you are uh, structuring your day in a way that you have a peak experience every day where you are filled with a sense of possibility of what your life can be. You're envisioning what you want. You're going and getting it. So uh, I just think there's a lot of self-help out there, but I think he's one of the freshest, sharpest, and most original self-help thinkers in the game. So check out his YouTube and, uh, and his books. And I will roll right into number two. So number two is again, very much the opposite. This person is, is heart self. Uh, his name is Jason Silva. He is a uh, sort of speaker and he has a bunch of stuff going on on YouTube. The thing I love about Jason Silva, he's of almost anyone I've ever come across has the greatest capacity for awe and pondering just the miracle of existence, the miracle that we're all here. Uh, Naval Ravikant yesterday, I think had a tweet. He said, we live in the age of wonders, but we all miss it because it seems so familiar. And so those people who can see the miracle in the everyday. I like to call the mundane miracles and elevate that, make us realize that those are some of the best people who I want to pay attention to because your life is the sum of what you focus on. So his has a YouTube channel. I recommend it. It's called Shots of Awe, A-W-E. Two to four minute videos. I can't quite describe them other than energetic, enthusiastic, psychedelic, verbal jazz, pondering the mystery of the human condition, experience, existence, the universe, love, hope, despair. It's beautiful. And I recommend it. That, that sounds very, very cool. And both the people that you mentioned, uh, I, I was completely unaware of both of those. So uh, definitely going to check out both of them. Uh, we absolutely need more uh, gurus in the space, uh, like uh, Benjamin Hardy, who can tell us more into depth, like how do we live our lives? How do we structure it? And like the shot and the other one that he shared, the shots of awe, and that's also my philosophy of heart. And that's something that we practice a lot here in India, the presence of it, the mindfulness and uh, meditation and practices like that help us be more in present so that we can appreciate the things around us a bit more. So 
usually what it's like that you are seeing the world but you don't acknowledge the world because right. your he- head is always working so you're always yes. stuck inside the head and yes. you don't recognize your world but once you start doing these meditation practices then you start moving a little bit away and having more control over your, over your gadgets so that you're not controlled by them but you control them they are tools for you but you're not a tool you're not a tool to them right so those those are two amazing people that you shared and i believe everyone would love to check them out in our audience as well thank you so much for sharing those so my last question to you is what's the number one productivity trick that you find really helpful this is related to reading so i i i always read physical books that started reading kindle i did kindle for 6 months i left i went back to physical books here's why so i like to uh a couple of things. I like to underline when I read. Uh, I like to mark up the pages. I write my favorite page numbers in the front cover so I can come back later. Now, in the past, I had to go back and type up my notes. So if I liked a, a paragraph in a book, I'd have to type it. it. took forever. My number one recommendation for productivity is an app called readwise.io. Uh, it's a very small amount of money uh, per year to have the paid version. What you can do, among other things, you can it can sync with your Kindle highlights if you like Kindle. It can sync into your Evernote or Notion or Roam and store your highlights. But my favorite part as an OCR reader with a camera where you can go into a physical book, take a picture of the section you like, automatically pulls the text up in your Readwise and then automatically goes into your Evernote. Saves me countless hours. Got all these books uh, that I want to return to, revisit save the best parts and readwise.io is the best way to do that so that's my recommendation for sure i've i've heard about readwise.io from a lot of my friends and like you said it just connects so well with so many different apps that you can just get all your notes in one place and it's so easy to get them there right so our audience should def- definitely check out readwise and i'm going to make sure to put all those links in the description below so that uh, they can easily access it Uh well thank you so much for doing this lastly i'm going to just ask you one simple question if anyone from our audience wants to reach out to you uh or have any questions for you or follow your journey what would be the best way to do that twitter i'm at will_manon m a n n o n on twitter hit me up send me a dm and uh yeah this place to find me i'm i also publish some writing on my website will_manon.com got youtube going to but hit me on twitter that's the best place to find me for sure i'll put the link to that as well down below Thank you so much for doing this with us well I hope you enjoyed the format I hope enjoyed answering our questions I did I love the format as I mentioned and uh yeah thanks for having me on man